You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. I met Stan Kierkowski, better known as YouTuber Stan from Poland, Dawanagina, at this year's Taiwanese American Conference, where he was one of the speakers. Welcome to the Talking Taiwan podcast. I'm here with uh, YouTuber Stan from Poland, Dawanagina. Welcome to the podcast, Stan. Thank you, Felicia. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. His YouTube channel now has over 200,000 subscribers. And if that wasn't impressive enough, the first thing you'll notice after going to his YouTube channel is how fluently he speaks Mandarin Chinese in practically all of the videos. The content that Stan and his wife produce for their YouTube channel consists of political commentary, interviews, and news with a focus on topics related to Taiwan's political situation and security. Stan also has some English videos on the Love Taiwan YouTube channel. We'll share links to both of these YouTube channels on TalkingTaiwan.com for this episode. I interviewed Stan in person when he was in New York in July. We started off talking about some of the key dates in Taiwan's history, such as the 228 Massacre of February 28, 1947, and ended up discussing his thoughts on Taiwan's upcoming presidential elections in January of 2024. If you'd like to watch my interview with Stan, we will also be posting a video of it to Talking Taiwan's YouTube channel. Here's our interview. You're known for doing a lot of political commentary, especially about Taiwan. And, um, you know, the obvious question is, like, how did you get interested in Taiwan in the first place? And what motivated you? What motivates you to run this channel? Well, first of all, uh, thank you so much <laughs> for talking about my channel. We just passed to 100,000 subscribers and it took me five years, a little bit more than five years to uh, get up to this point. And yeah, there were some highs, there were some lows, but right now I'm pretty proud because like it's an independent channel and I do it together with my wife and our cat. So just <laughs> <laughs> two people and one cat working on that. And why uh, basically, because uh, I spent in Taiwan like more than nine years, uh, I got my BA degree there, and then I worked there for a pretty long time. And then when we were back to Poland, uh, first of all, I decided to make a channel to share some similar experiences that Poland had and Taiwan had, talk about Polish history, uh, talk about all of the events that happened in the 20th century, because the time of democratization of Taiwan and time of democratization of Poland are very close, very similar. And there are a lot of things that Taiwanese people can learn from our experiences and the Polish people can learn from the Taiwanese experiences. And especially right now, when the situation is getting, like, political situation is getting more and more nervous in Taiwan. Uh, so I think that there is more need to uh, talk to the Taiwanese people and let them know that, uh, for example, the United States, that the European Union are the real partners of Taiwan and are willing to help if anything bad happens because of the amount of the CCP propaganda in Taiwan. It's huge, and there are not many people actually fighting against that. So, yeah, that's probably one of the biggest motivations for mm -hmm. me and uh, for Tai Tai, for my wife. Right, right. And what is it that brought you to Taiwan in the first place? Uh, university. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I went there to study. Right. And then 
but of all like that's very interesting to pick Taiwan like how did you decide on Taiwan well because you know uh, and that's what my dad also wanted for me like to learn an Asian language and at that time Taiwan offered like pretty good quality of education and for not a very high price like pretty affordable so mm -hmm. that's why taiwan was like an obvious choice for me mm -hmm. so what years were you living in taiwan uh i moved to taiwan in 2010 okay and spent there till like 2018 2019 that time okay i see um and so what was your time in Taiwan like? Like, what did you experience? What did you see while you were living there? And I guess that's also when you uh, learned your Chinese. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what did I experience? I experienced many things, and uh, my experiences in Taiwan were pretty various because I didn't only live in Taipei like many other mm -hmm. um, foreign citizens that come to Taiwan. They spend most of their time in Taipei, but I also used to work in central Taiwan. And uh, then I realized that I know nothing about Taiwan because Taipei is like an absolutely different story. Um, experiences were, I mean, there were many things that I think that the other countries can learn from Taiwan. There are also many things that Taiwanese people can learn from the other countries, for example, from, from the United States. And uh, lovely people, nice food, uh, weather is like, if you like it, you like it sometimes like especially in summer it's pretty hot and uh, interesting culture like a whole melting pot of different cultures of the traditional um native taiwanese culture the culture of uh, uh hokkien people the mm -hmm. culture of uh, japan because taiwan used to belong to japan for quite a long time so right now when you're speaking taiwanese there are many like loan words coming from japan mm -hmm. and uh, some you can even have like a Spanish fort there. So there is a lot of influence from Europe mm -hmm. also. So it's like a whole mixture of different cultures and religions. You have Christianity, right. you have right. traditional Taiwanese religions, you have Mazu, you have all of the things and all in the same place. So it's a very unique country. Right. Well, I'm, I'm just curious to know, because some people may think it's very interesting, like this guy from Poland, like doing this commentary about Taiwan, like, why why do that and like did you have this idea when you started your youtube channel that you specifically wanted to address like uh what's going on in taiwan and why 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 would you want to do this well when i started my channel it first started like with uh historical stuff mm -hmm. i've been talking about polish mm -hmm. history like my first video was about the independence day in poland yes i saw what that. is poland mm -hmm. celebrating on the 11th of november mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and uh, what were the experiences because poland used to be uh, under foreign influence for a very long time mm -hmm. basically was colonized by different countries and the history of poland especially uh in the 19th century uh in the early 20th century is the history of pursuing the independence looking for a way to restore our own country mm -hmm. and also after the second world war because poland was basically partitioned once again in uh, 1939 by stalin and hitler and after the second world war because there is um, there are some misunderstandings in taiwan because taiwanese people some of the taiwanese people thought that poland was a communist country on our own will but mm. it is not true 
Because if okay. you look at the Polish constitution, the constitution of the Republic of Poland at that time, it was basically um, amended by Stalin himself. Mm -hmm. And the Polish Workers' Party, the United Workers' Party of Poland, it was basically controlled by uh, the Soviet Union. It was basically mm -hmm. controlled from Moscow. Mm -hmm. So we didn't choose communism. Mm -hmm. uh, we were under Stalin's control and then under the Soviet Russia's control. That's mm -hmm. why we were called like a satellite state. So basically you have your uh, seat in the United Nations, you have your formal independence, but in reality you are not an independent entity, unfortunately. And that's why Polish people con uh, continued to fight against it. There were many uprisings, there were many events. The Solidarity Union mm -hmm. was formed mm -hmm. for that, for that purpose, right, to stand up against the oppression. And uh, then Poland democratized. And if you look at Taiwanese history at that time, mm -hmm. you see so many similarities. For example, with the Melidal, mm -hmm. uh, like with the magazine mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. what happened to the activists right. at that time. The Melidal that Stan is referring to is also known as the Formosa Magazine Incident or Kaohsiung Incident of 1979. When Poland democratized and when Taiwan democratized, the time frame is very similar. And there are many things that uh, and many experiences that can be shared between the two. In Poland, martial law was lifted in 1983, and the first parliamentary election since the fall of communism took place in 1991. In Taiwan, martial law was lifted in 1987, and the first direct presidential elections were held in 1996. This was one of my reasonings, um, behind the channel and also there are also my wife's reasonings because she has changed her opinion on uh, Taiwanese politics like 180 degrees because uh, her family her family is like their background story is very interesting because mm -hmm. her father is Taiwanese mm -hmm. and her mom is uh, half Taiwanese mm -hmm. and uh, uh, like they say in, in Taiwanese mm -hmm. uh, and half uh, mainland Chinese mm -hmm. So basically with her dad, uh, his, my wife's grandfather, my grandfather-in-law, he died pretty early and um, her dad, he rose and all of that KMT propaganda and leading to their family being like actually like deep blue. Okay. Like deep blue and the understanding of Taiwanese history was like basically through the prism of Chinese history, like right. what they have like in mm -hmm. uh, education in Taiwan, right? Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, when we got married, we went to Poland. Uh, she started reading more about the Taiwanese mm -hmm. history, mm -hmm. read like uh, Chen mm -hmm. Suilian, mm -hmm. like her books. And then I took her to Auschwitz, mm -hmm. like the biggest Nazi yes. concentration camp right. uh, on the territory of Poland. Mm -hmm. She was crying there. She It was uh, like very shocking for her. Mm -hmm. And then when we left, I asked her, do you know that Taiwan also used to have concentration camps? And she was, no, that's not possible. And then I said, do, do you know Lü Dao? Like the mm -hmm. Green Island, yes. what was there? Yes. And then something like clicked. And she started reading more and understanding mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. And then she started learning more about her family. Because that, that's what I say. Her family is like very interesting. His father, his uh, her grandfather-in-law, grandmother-in-law, they used to be, uh, they lived pretty well during mm -hmm. the Japanese period. Mm -hmm. Uh, she has relatives that went to Japan to study, that mm -hmm. were doctors. Mm -hmm. uh, some of her relatives had a pharmacy in Taipei mm -hmm. and then moved to the United States and also lived until like his 
late 90s in Irvine, in California. Mm -hmm. So they knew and they were supporting the Taiwanese independence and they were supporting Taiwan. But her dad didn't have an opportunity to be in touch with them. Mm -hmm. And so that's why... And right now, that, that that's very interesting. Well, when we've been to uh, to Washington D.C., mm-hmm. and uh, I made a speech at one of the Presbyterian churches, like in uh, is it what was it Maryland or Virginia? In, in Maryland. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we've been talking to the pastor there, and uh, Tai Tai, she started talking about her family, about her grandfather-in-law, mm-hmm. about her mm-hmm. uh, uncles, about like the family members and that pastor he knew her relatives yes wow in california Mm. and it was so it was touching and Mm. i think like that's uh, also very similar to many experiences of the taiwanese people and how shameful it was before when when the kmt came Mm -hmm. when the chinese people came Mm. to taiwan um, what they did with educational reform, with actually taking all of the resources from the Taiwanese mm-hmm. people, taking their homes, taking their land, taking their money. You couldn't speak your own language. You couldn't speak Taiwanese. And if you had relatives that lived off pretty well during Japanese times, mm-hmm. they would they would have come after you. So this is what, what I say. And right now, like Tai Tai, she is looking back at all of these things and she's finding herself because that's that's very interesting so when you're in taiwan she didn't have this awareness then she knew that Mm -hmm. she knew that but she didn't want to reach out to these people Mm -hmm. to her relatives she didn't want to learn more and what about you what was your view because it sounds like you were pretty aware you already um, had in your mind or understood the parallels between Poland and Taiwan, and you already knew about that before you went to Taiwan? Well, well, Were you I, familiar with that? I think I don't have a say here, because that's her family. That's oh, her, no, no, I'm yeah. talking about yourself and your awareness yeah. of Taiwan. Well, before I came to Taiwan, what I knew about it, it was basically that Taiwan is a democratic China. What would China have been if not for the communists? Mm-hmm. But when I came to Taiwan, I started learning more. Mm-hmm. That Taiwan is not Chiang Kai-shek. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because many Polish people, what will they, if you say Formosa, Taiwan, uh, they'll tell you, oh, Chiang Kai-shek. Yes. Because people know the figure yes. of Chiang Kai-shek. But um, first when I came, I understood that Taiwan is much more than Chiang Kai-shek. Mm-hmm. And after a few years passed, I understood another thing, that Taiwan is everything but Chiang Kai-shek. Because Chiang Kai-shek has nothing to do with Taiwan. You were also there um, during the Sunflower Movement, right? Did you witness that? Uh, I've been... Because that was in 2014, because you said you were there in Yeah, 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 yeah. I I was during that time, and uh, this was the time when I started working in Taiwan, and I spent most of my time Mm -hmm. working. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I've seen it on the news, Mm -hmm. and uh, when I went to the city center, like you you could see that there are protests Mm -hmm. and uh, police and so on. It it was Mm -hmm. very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it seems like, um, but then you you really became very like outspoken and politically active when you actually left and went to Poland yes. and started this YouTube channel. So that's very interesting. Because I used to work for the Taiwanese businesses, and uh, politics is not the thing you <laughs> are supposed to discuss there. Because many of them mm-hmm. have 
either factories in China or branches in China. And plus, it was the time of the, like, what Tai Tai calls it, like the great appeasement period. Mainzhou's time, right? And before uh, President Taiwan's first term, it was like very, the whole world was pro-China. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. thought that China will develop, that China will democratize. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. such a country of great opportunities. Yeah, yeah. And in Taiwan, it was pr- pretty, pretty much the same. Right. And especially in those Taiwanese businesses, like. Well, until the sunflower movement, when they tried to push the, the um, cross trade yeah. trade pact, and then that happened. But he- here is a difference. Yes. Students, activists, politically active people, they knew what's going on. Mm-hmm. The businesses didn't. Mm-hmm. They had okay. Mm-hmm. Then you are demonstrating here. What if my business gets cancelled or closed mm-hmm. in China? So after the sunflower movement, I think that the uh, Taiwanese businesses, especially those who are related to China in any way, shape, or form, they became even more like silent on the political issues. Mm-hmm. And when that, that, that's my experience, at mm-hmm. least the companies that I used mm-hmm. to work in. Mm-hmm. So they were like, okay, China, okay, we're we're not talking about like politics and so on it's very interesting what you said that your father was um, really supportive of you um, learning asian languages can you tell me a little bit more about your background your upbringing and it sounds like he was an important influence on you well um well what can i tell about uh, my upbringing and my family like my parents were always supportive of me and since my childhood, like, I had, like, a very big problem. I'm bad at math. Mm. And I'm good at foreign languages. Okay. So I learned So how English. many languages do you speak, then? Well, right now, I... Well, I speak pretty fluently, like, Mandarin, uh, English, uh, Polish, uh, Japanese, like, around the N3, N2 level. Um, then a little bit of German. Mm-hmm. Than uh, a little bit of Taiwanese. Nice. Yeah. And so you were saying about your family, like yeah, uh, they what what my what my dad knew that I'm bad at math, so I won't <laughs> become an engineer like 100%. But I was good at languages, right. and so he was thinking like, yeah, okay, yeah. then learn a language that very few people speak, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that that was his opinion. Would would it be uh, Arabic or Korean or Japanese or Mandarin, like whatever. Okay. Yeah, and then th- th- there was an opportunity just coming to Taiwan. Right, right. So were you always interested in, like, current events or news and politics and all that? Like, are you surprised that, looking back on it, that what you're doing right now? Mm, no, I'm not surprised. I've always been interested in uh, current affairs and in politics and what's going on in the world. And it was a little bit surprising that uh, many people in Taiwan are not as focused uh, on, on what's going on outside of Taiwan. I think that here mm-hmm. there, there is a big similarity between the Taiwanese people and the American people. But uh, that that is very interesting if you look at it from the historical perspective, because the United States is a huge country. You can pretty much live in the U.S. for all of your life without living the country, and you yes. have a lot of things to experience. But Taiwan, it's an island nation. Mm-hmm. They have to trade, they have to be involved internationally, and people are still very focused on what's going on in Taiwan. I think that's also related to the martial law period, mm-hmm. when like 
the flow of information was pretty closed mm -hmm. and the people were not allowed to um, connect with the world like as much as they do right now. And right now people are becoming more and more curious about what's going on. Yeah, and I mean, there's yeah. a lot of uh, more open, like, openness with the media and the freedom of expression and all that. That makes yeah. a huge difference. Yeah, and ta yeah. Taiwan got its freedom of speech and freedom of expression basically at the same time when Poland did. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, how do you dis decide what kind of topics to cover on your YouTube channel? Well, basically, this also related to my wife. Because when she started understanding what kind of education Taiwanese people receive and like with those uh, pro-blue and pro-Chinese propaganda and how many scars are there like in Taiwanese society right now, she also wanted to have a say and uh, say something like, for example, about what, what has been going on in Taiwan, who are the people from the KMT and uh, uh, do some experience sharing. And uh, that's why these were also the topic. For example, uh, she was very interested in transitional justice mm -hmm. and what Poland went through. Because mm -hmm. for her, it was also interesting. How come like, there is a communist country and right now you have anti-communist laws? So what were the reasons behind that? And how did Poland democratize? And what did Poland do to prevent the similar atrocities to happen again? Basically, like the illustration laws and not allowing the oh, former. Oh, so these are some things that you've talked about in um, some of your videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I think I made more than ten videos on transitional justice and the whole process of democratization of Poland. Because what, what is interesting, how Poland democratized, the the biggest difference, because Poland was a communist country before, Taiwan, it was a authoritarian dictatorship, mm -hmm. but. Taiwan still had market economy. For Poland, the biggest challenge was to build the market economy from scratch mm -hmm. because there was planned economy. And planned mm -hmm. economy is basically, it, it means you don't have any economy. Mm -hmm. So nobody knew how to do that. And that's why those reforms that were in the 90s in Poland are so crucial for every po Polish person right now. But what caught my wife's interest mm -hmm. is those uh, laws that limited and restricted the former Communist Party members to take part in, in political affairs. And that's what Taiwan didn't have. And that's why the transitional justice issue in Taiwan is still like a lot of people are talking about and pro-blue people are saying, oh, you're just using it as a political opp oppression measure, but uh, pro-green or pro-Taiwan people are saying, but how come that the perpetrators are still uh, not... you? you there is not even a consensus that what they did was bad. Mm -hmm. And right now there are streets in Taiwan named under after a person who killed many Taiwanese. Basically, there was a joke. What does the KMT mean? Killed many Taiwanese. Oh, I haven't heard that one. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah, I mean, because the transitional justice was only for a couple of years and now it's, you know, we don't know what the future of it is. So it seems like it's unfinished. There's a lot of unfinished business there. And there is no societal consensus yes. up until now. So mm -hmm. it, it would be very hard to move forward with that because mm -hmm. comparing to Poland or to Lithuania or to Latvia or to Estonia or maybe to, to, to Czech, Czechia, to Slovakia, to these countries, uh, there was societal consensus. But in Taiwan, it's, it's still a divided society. So for me, I thought that sharing experiences, talking about historically what happened uh, might be an interesting point of view to share. So what do you mean by societal consensus? Like, uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, yeah, because if you ask every, okay, for example, Lithuanian person, 
most of the Lithuanian people would agree that what Soviet Union did to them was bad, mm-hmm. right? But in Taiwan, if you're talking about the white terror of, or if you're talking about the KMT rule uh, after 1945, 1945, you will see a lot of people still supporting the KMT and voting for yeah, KMT. Yeah, it's very complicated. Right, so mm. that's why there is no consensus, and uh, uh, even if they say that there were atrocities committed, there were bad things going on, but at the same time, you you hear people saying, "Oh, stop talking about two two eight. It's not important. It happened long time yeah, ago. Right, right. Let's just put it somewhere mm-hmm. else." Mm-hmm. So that that's why it's very hard to you uh, push forward and to go with the transitional justice and with any kind of reform or saying what the perpetrators did was was bad because still there is no agreement in the Taiwanese society of what has been going on and where Taiwan wants to go in future. That's interesting. So do you think that's maybe why they can't move forward with it? I think there are many reasons for that, because the whole democratization process, it was different. And the historical background was also different for Taiwan. If you look at the current laws in Taiwan, the uh, constitution that is yeah. outdated. Yes, to there's say a lot of issues right? with that. That could, that could be a whole the country conversation. Name, <laughs> yes. right, uh, the anthem. And yes. uh, it's... And the the other problem is that uh, when you're talking about it, there is also pressure coming from China. Mm-hmm. So uh, it it is very complicated. Uh, yes. It is very complicated. Yes. Because first of all, there is no consensus in the society. There is international pressure, mm-hmm. and there are very mm-hmm. outdated laws. Yes. So any kind of reform, especially if it is related to the constitution, are very hard to put forward yes. because of the consensus that has to be achieved in the mm-hmm. legislature of mm-hmm. Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's. A really big topic and a really um, it could be very frustrating to think about how to deal with things like that. Well, um, we, we, we can have like a whole different conversation. On yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how do you think your uh, YouTube channels evolved over time? So it sounds like it's a conversation with you and your wife and her discovery and a lot of things. And so it really reflects like um, her journey as well. Yeah. Yeah. We've been working on that together mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and we do everything together like we discuss what topics are we going to cover what what mm-hmm. news mm-hmm. Uh, then i write the background music so that we don't have any copyright issues oh, she wow, makes nice. all of the 2d design for example if you see like funny pictures of taiwanese uh-huh. politicians uh-huh. or of uh, chinese politicians uh, it's her work oh great yeah then we discuss the topics and uh, I film, my edit, and we, we, we just move forward with the other different f- forms of content. What do you think was the first major milestone that you achieved with your YouTube channel? Mm, I think the first major milestone was when I reached the 100,000. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, was, it, it took very long time. How long, how long did that take? Uh, three years. Yeah. Like and what do you think? What, what do you think it was that really pushed you to the one hundred thousand? Was was there something that happened or that you did? I think that because um, my channel was growing pretty slowly, mm-hmm. it started growing uh, faster uh, during COVID because mm-hmm. I've been talking about uh, the World Health Organization mm-hmm. not letting Taiwan in things like that and mm-hmm. it's not fair talking about that Taiwan developed its own vaccine mm-hmm. like, uh, things like that. That, that that time the channel grew a little bit mm-hmm. uh, then the channel grew uh, let, let me think about it actually yeah. 
yeah, it was first of all, it was yeah when the COVID started, mm-hmm. and then it was during the National Security Law in Hong Kong. I got mm-hmm. a lot of viewers coming from mm-hmm. Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. But then I got a pretty big push when I was talking about the mafia-affiliated YouTubers in Taiwan mm-hmm. and what they do and how do they spread like pro-China propaganda, like like those things. And uh, recently, recently, let me think. And then it was, I think, like the way it was growing it was pretty uh, similar i mean if there are some issues that everybody is talking about for for example like about the mayor of taipei or mm-hmm, what did mm-hmm, he say recently mm-hmm, yeah the, mm-hmm. this attracts the views mm-hmm. and uh, oh during the elections in the u.s many people were watching my live streams or during the russian invasion in ukraine right because i've been live streaming and mm-hmm. looking for the news mm-hmm. and like delivering the, the information when it comes from the for example associated press or through some like telegram groups like the first hand things i just put it and give my comments yeah yeah so what kind of research do you do and like uh, to prepare for your channel and like where do you get a lot of your sources I imagine because you can read Chinese so you yeah. can you get a lot of sources that way yeah of course and uh, right now I'm also doing uh, human rights research mm-hmm. um, it, it, it actually is also related to the human rights issues that China is going through right now um, first of all every time when there is a topic people are talking about it online I go through all of the major newspapers in Taiwan and TV channels, see what they say. Then I go to the sources. Then if I'm talking about China, I go to the CCP's website, like official websites or like Xinhua or Renmin Wang, right? You know, like People's Daily, like these kind of things. So you see what what they say. Mm -hmm. And then you go to Chinese internet and look what is going on there, Mm -hmm. if they leave any comments online. Mm -hmm. And then you go on Twitter and see the information that is banned on China, what is available. Mm-hmm. Then, like, always, uh, I read all kinds of, like, what, what think tanks are publishing about the current affairs, especially on, on China, because China is a very, it's a closed society, and it is very mm-hmm. hard to get actual information, so right. you have to read a lot. You have to read what the Communist Party of China says, and then you have to look about what's, what's really going on there. So, yeah, then we discuss everything with my wife. Then we see what can be used in the video, uh, what lessons can Taiwanese people learn from that. For example, Mm -hmm. with the lockdowns, Mm -hmm. with massive lockdowns. Some people were saying, oh, China is performing great uh, at fighting COVID. And says, for for example, saying that there are only like three thousand people that died from COVID mm-hmm. in China. But then you see those massive lockdowns, and you see right. how are they treating the people and right. what is going on, right. and you start asking questions. Right. So yeah, this is one of the biggest lessons that I hope that my viewers will learn: learn don't believe in what the propaganda says, and go deeper, right. research more, mm-hmm. look for mm-hmm. different sources of information. So. Yeah, and basically it's like that. So, so some people say that uh, there are some channels that are putting like five or six or seven videos a week, mm-hmm. uh, but we're just two people. I cannot do. Yeah, five how videos how a week. often do you publish content? Uh, I'm trying to do two videos every week, like ten minute videos, mm-hmm. plus one live stream talking mm-hmm. about co- co- oh, current affairs and short videos because they are easier to do and yes. faster. Yes. Yes. Uh, like three to four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Wow. 
So it's a, it really sounds like a full time job. Like you're constantly like um, on it the is. lookout. And yeah. It, yeah, it basically yeah. is. It mm -hmm. basically is. That's why. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that with content like mine, it's very hard to get any deals or sponsorships because. Yeah, I was gonna ask you that China because. Like us. <laughs> yeah, well, I was gonna ask you that because I would imagine after you get to a certain number level of subscribers, that I don't know how YouTube does. Like if they approach you and um, offer you any kind of special features or tools or training or support. Uh, there are some emails coming from YouTube, for example, if there are mm -hmm. any events or that they have mm -hmm. any like mm -hmm. online, like YouTube Academy, like mm -hmm. th things mm -hmm. you can mm -hmm. listen to how, how, how to yeah. fail more, yeah. uh, what to do, like with the social mm -hmm. media, mm -hmm. things like mm -hmm. that. But uh, I think every YouTuber receives it. Um, yeah, yeah. You don't have to actually pass through like 100,000 milestones. To oh, get okay. it. They send you that certificate that mm -hmm. you and mm -hmm. that, you know, like that silver plate <laughs> that you <laughs> that you have like silver award that you have passed this milestone but youtube itself no and uh, uh with the algorithm like what i don't like about youtube because it's a very you don't know what the algorithm wants and what will be popular the next day and especially mm -hmm. if it's a political content it's it's really like a hit or miss some sometimes yeah. the video i i thought that nobody would watch it when i was talking about the australia china relations and uh, how basically china first said that they are going to sanction australia and uh, just cut all the ties with australia and then the, when there was coal shortage and uh, mass blackouts in China they mm -hmm. actually started begging Australia to start selling them coal <laughs> once again I thought that nobody would watch it like honestly because similar videos when I'm talking about international trade mm -hmm. uh, they get like 10,000 mm -hmm. or 20,000 mm -hmm. views mm -hmm. but that one got like almost 200,000 views like really? it, it was so surprising I didn't wow. expect it to, to yeah. To, huh. to get so many views but there was another video video that i have been uh that i did actually here in new york that i thought that many people would watch right. it because i've been asking like people on the streets what they think about taiwan and if they should protect taiwan because videos like that that i did uh, in london mm -hmm. or in switzerland before they got some views right but this one it's performing pretty poorly oh. and i don't yeah, know why yeah, you just did that recently yeah. a few days ago right? yeah, yeah yeah so that, that's really like a hit or miss mm. like very hard to find your and uh, sometimes I know that there are trolls that are actually attacking the channel. And How do they attack the channel? What do they do? Oh, you, you can report a video. Oh, I see. And when one right. person does it, yes, mm -hmm. but when mm -hmm. like a thousand of people does sure. it. Sure, that, that can affect that's your algor the algorithm also. And right. it affects yeah. the performance. So mm -hmm. uh, probably that's also one of the reasons. But uh, I don't know. I still think that... We have to put content. We have to do the videos constantly. Yes, it's not as good as uh, making some fun videos. Mm -hmm. Doing fun content is uh, it actually also very hard, and you have different kinds of pressure. But right. for me, I think I do what I like. Yes. I still have my supporters, mm -hmm. uh, people who donate, for example, on Patreon, yeah. Yeah. and. Uh, this is enough for me to keep on mm -hmm. going and keep on mm -hmm. growing the channel and just mm -hmm. put content right now. Maybe in a couple of years, people will come back to it because right now I have sure. videos that I filmed like three years ago. Yeah. People are still living comments and yeah. uh, are talking about yeah. it. So it, it's like a portfolio and it's, uh, you know, you see how am I growing like a content creator? How am I actually becoming better at uh, 
analytical things right. and right. Uh, how am I putting more content that is more engaging and that people actually what are, can What talk are about. some of your more popular videos? Um, that, like recent ones, if we're talking about that Australia video, yeah. then uh, another video was when we went to Geneva to protest. Yes, I was uh, going to say, I saw that one. That yeah. has like uh, over 100,000 Yeah, views, to let yeah. Taiwan in. Mm -hmm. And we protested in front of the, the... WHO. And we protested in front of the China's embassy mm -hmm. in Geneva. And they mm -hmm. called police on us. <laughs> 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 it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, like, if you see the faces of those Chinese diplomats full of hate and surprise at the same time <laughs> yeah but uh, uh that one performed pretty well then the video when i asked questions uh, oh yeah the video about china's secret police stations also got a lot yes. of yes because i went there i went to the secret police station in london together with a friend of mine okay uh, who's british and then we asked the people what do they think do you know that there is a secret chinese police station right. what do you think about it right and got so many interesting com uh, comments that there was did one... people know what was no. the response no they okay. didn't did and they then... believe you yeah they did because it was not the news it wasn't the okay. daily telegraph yeah so okay. Yeah, you just show them the article, you see, oh, okay. and okay. It, it's their dress. So, what did they say? What was the feedback? Some were very surprised, uh, but I really I remember what the two people said. One of them was the Ukrainian refugee. She said, "Okay, today it's Chinese, tomorrow tomorrow it's Russian. How how come? Why do these illiberal and undemocratic countries?" It's like there is no escape from them because mm -hmm. she escaped the war mm -hmm. like a lady, I think, mm -hmm. in her 60s or, okay. or even 70s, like okay. not, not, not a particularly like young woman. Right. And she said, like, this is scary what is going on. And she's a Ukrainian refugee. Mm -hmm. so she knows mm -hmm. when a dictatorship mm -hmm. knocks your door, mm -hmm. nothing good comes mm -hmm. after that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there was another person. Uh, a guy, he said, like, it is interesting not only that they are here, but who allowed them to come in? That Just asking that question. And that was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is. So there are, of course, there are some problems with the democratic countries. Uh, uh, and sometimes the law enforcement forces are not, not actually performing well enough and cannot catch everyone in every single instance. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, that could. That's there's a possible like a lot of loopholes in these uh, liberal democracies. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That like that's what they say that they use democracy to attack democracy, mm -hmm. and then they say it's the freedom of speech. But come on, there is no freedom of speech in China. You cannot criticize the CCP in China. Mm -hmm. You cannot say mm -hmm. anything bad about the CCP mm -hmm. in China. Mm -hmm. And right now, I hear some people in Taiwan that are pan blue or pro CCP that they say, oh. Uh, those people that are praising China, they are just exercising their freedom of speech. Yeah, but why don't they want to exercise that freedom of speech in China? Exactly. That's <laughs> a good point. Yes. yes and, that's every, true. and if they do that, if they go to China and praise CCP, whenever they get sick, they go back to Taiwan to see Taiwanese doctors. Mm. So that's pro that mm. probably is a problem with China, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, why why won't you trust in Chinese doctors? Yes. Because many people were yes. praising Chinese doctors during yes. COVID, right? But whenever they get sick, they go back to Taiwan.
And now it's time for a short break. Talking Taiwan is a listener-supported podcast, and we're so happy to share the news that we've reached our goal to raise $5,000 for our matching donation campaign. We'll be having another matching donation campaign offered by Ming Chang. So any donations that you make right now will continue to be doubled. You can make a donation at TalkingTaiwan.com forward slash support. If you'd like to help us raise funds by being a matching donor, just email us at TalkingTaiwanPodcast at gmail.com or support us directly at TalkingTaiwan.com forward slash support. Right now, your donation will be doubled during this $2,000 matching campaign. All of our donors will get exclusive first listening access to my interviews with Kevin Lin, one of the co-founders of Twitch and current co-founder and CEO of MetaTheory. The Boba Guys, co-founders Andrew Chow and Bin Chen. Chen Chi Yang, a multidisciplinary artist who has been inducted into the New York Foundation for the Arts Hall of Fame. And Michelle Ho, an attorney, activist, and author of Reading with Patrick, which is a runner-up for the Dayton Literary Peace Prize and the Goddard Riverside Stefan Russo Book Prize for Social Justice. Oh, interesting. I wasn't aware of that. Um, so it sounds like, you know, it's a lot of hard work to build this YouTube channel. And um, what have you learned about yourself throughout this process? Oh, that's so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Let me reflect on it a little bit. Yeah, I know that's a question to think about. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. What did I learn about myself? I never knew, like before I started uh, doing the channel, I I never thought that uh, I was able to make an uh, to to make engaging content. Really. I yeah. But I mean, when you start a YouTube channel. There has, there must be some reason, some drive. Like, it's not every day that someone decides to create a yeah. YouTube channel because you have some reason that you want to share and put yourself out there, right? But I didn't think that I would be able to grow a channel, to grow my own audience, and to actually make content that keeps people watching, right? And so when you started, it was discuss. kind of a hobby. Then you weren't even thinking necessarily. Yeah, I was that, working yeah. my full time job, okay. and uh, I, I just like filming. I like video. Oh. I like writing music, like creative things. Okay. So when when I started, I didn't pay as much attention to that. And okay, I will. Like the only thing I thought that was important is consistency. So yes. when I just started, I was publishing like one video every week, mm-hmm. one video mm-hmm. every week, mm-hmm. and the content could be like anything and. But I did, didn't think that people would watch it and like it. I was doing it to share with my friends, the right. people who I know. Mm-hmm. And again, like with my wife, just to put something something online that might keep some people interested. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think that so many people would watch it in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I ne- never thought of myself from that case. And I never thought that I would be able to do like a creative job. Because... Mm-hmm. Uh, I can play I can play the piano. I I like creating stuff. I like music. 
I like filming. I like yeah, photography. Yeah, so the seeds were there. Yeah, the mm. seeds were there, but I never thought that I would be able to grow something myself because I was always thought, okay, I will be just working a nine to five job. But in reality, right now, there is no such thing as nine to five right. job. It's like eight to the next morning, right? Especially if yeah. you're working for the Taiwanese yeah, businesses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but. Uh, I never thought that I would be able to do something like that. And well, I think it's important to acknowledge that you have a partner too, and that yeah. both of you are committed and work to this together. And I think that's what helps me as well, because I'm not like a one woman show. I have my partner too, that helps me to produce my podcast. So that that's yeah. a really important part of it. And I never yeah. thought that we could work as a team with Tai Tai, because <laughs> like she was doing her job, I was mm -hmm. doing my job, mm -hmm. and then we go back home and we discuss the stuff, and that's it. And I never thought that our because she also is interested in politics and mm -hmm. uh, the thing that mm -hmm. our dinner discussions would become <laughs> scripts <laughs> for our videos one day, you know. So this is this what you do full time now then? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I well. Because as I told you before, it's very hard to get any sponsorship yeah. deals. I mm -hmm. I also work as a freelance interpreter and translator. When okay. I think when I see that my channel is not earning enough, mm -hmm. I I get the cases. Sure, sure. So sure. so just to sure. just to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and you've also interviewed some people. Are there yeah. any particular people that were very um, memorable or that were surprising? Like they were not. As you expected, they would be. I never thought that Yubei Chen, do you know that yes. generally? Yes, I interviewed him recently too. Yeah, that he was such a fun person, like while talking to him, because he's always like you know a general, like very yes. uptight and yes. uh, saying serious stuff. Yes, like about the military development mm -hmm. and the state of the uh, Taiwanese army and things like that. Mm -hmm. But but in person, he's so he's very fun. Yeah. And uh, he's a very kind person. Mm -hmm. I never thought of him like that. Mm -hmm. And um, also, but basically, I think that many people that I have interviewed, for example, Miao Bo Ya, mm -hmm. when I interviewed them, uh, I think more or less it's the same person than while you're watching mm -hmm. like the YouTube channel mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. uh, videos from uh, mm -hmm. Taipei City Hall I think what they say it's like it's pretty similar mm -hmm. to how they behave mm -hmm. on camera mm -hmm. and uh, people like uh, Freddie Lim mm -hmm. I also never thought that he, he could be such a such such a nice guy in person and mm -hmm. I think like most of the interviews mm -hmm. that I had with the people in Taiwan or, or with some politicians in uh, Europe in Ukraine even the people like on the news they appear more uptight and more nervous but when you talk to them mm -hmm. in person they mm -hmm. they're like very nice and they're mm -hmm. doing all mm -hmm. uh, uh, they're doing all, everything they can do for their country, yes. for their political parties, and mm -hmm. just to achieve the best results. Yeah. I never thought that, you know, when I interviewed Kira, like a Ukrainian MP, that she looks like a fragile lady, and then the war just started, and I mm -hmm. uh, called her, like, on the streaming platform uh -huh. and uh, for the interview. Mm -hmm. And she was holding a gun. Oh, wow. And I never thought that such a fragile woman would be so brave and fearless. And just she knew what's going on and she knew what the goals are. Because in stressful situations, 
people yeah. perform differently. Sure. And that was sure. also like a very big surprise. And right now, and she actually later on she went to Taiwan. I don't know if my interview was <laughs> one <laughs> of the reasons. I don't know, but uh-huh. uh, she went to Taiwan and she talked about the uh, necessity of developing of the relationship between Ukraine and Taiwan. And uh, yeah, I think that. This is amazing. And yeah. Right now, more and more people are actually learning about Taiwan mm-hmm. and are willing to stand mm-hmm. up to Taiwan. Like mm-hmm. uh, Lithuanian politicians, I have interviewed two Lithuanian mm-hmm. MPs, mm-hmm. and uh, it is interesting how more people, wh- while learning about Taiwan, they also want to learn about Taiwanese experience in uh, in the 90s, mm-hmm. the whole democratization mm-hmm. process, mm-hmm. and uh, what can Lithuania, for example, learn from Taiwan, and what can Taiwan learn from Lithuania? Yeah. This is th- this is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's important to have these exchanges. Um, what what do you think are your most pressing concerns about Taiwan these days? Uh, the amount of Chinese propaganda, uh, because it's it's everywhere, and it's impacting not not only the young people but also the elders, mm-hmm. and especially with the closed line groups. Like recently, there has been that thing when uh, elderly people were receiving messages. If Taiwan gets unified, quote-unquote, uh, with China, your savings will, uh, from NTD, from new Taiwan dollars, mm-hmm. will all become um, the Chinese currency, mm-hmm. and the exchange rate would be one-to-one. Right now, it's one-to-five. Just mm-hmm. So, so that, mm-hmm. that, that means that uh, your savings would grow five, five times. And some people believed in that. And th- that's just the tip of an iceberg. There mm-hmm. is so mm-hmm. there is a huge amount of, and and it's different. Uh, so, sometimes it's uh, they say the things that are not true about China, mm-hmm. and how great China is, and that China will protect Taiwan and sure. so on and so forth. Uh, but the other type of propaganda is targeting the Taiwanese government, the current Taiwanese government. They're being portrayed as corrupt and uh, ineffective, uh, inefficient, and they do only care about their own needs, right? Uh, personal needs. And there is the third type of propaganda that makes Taiwanese people doubt Taiwanese allies, for example, the United States mm-hmm. or the European countries right. or Japan. Right. And this is worrying because it will impact the outcome of elections. And it's very hard to fight against that disinformation. Right. Especially when it's backed by a country like China that has like infinite resources right. and propaganda. Right. So that's why that there is only one thing that I hope that more Taiwanese people or more people who have been to Taiwan will start mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, start making videos about Taiwan. Start talking about Taiwan. Uh, share your experiences debunk Chinese propaganda if you can because I know that many people have been working in China many people know what China is and many people understand what China plans mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. so I just hope that more people join and we'll, there will be not only one stand but there will be like at least 100 so it would be easier to you know yeah, okay but what if somebody doesn't read Chinese or speak Chinese like so what kind of sources can they uh consult to learn about this or educate themselves well if you want to learn more about taiwan taiwan has newspapers in english also yeah. mm-hmm. there is also taiwan plus mm-hmm. yes taiwan plus is a really great resource yeah uh, if you don't if you don't want 
to go too deep into internal affairs of Taiwan. If you're interested, you can still, I mean, you can still read Taiwan newspapers using like online translators yes, for that. True. But the accuracy of translation sometimes it's yeah. it's not 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 yeah. so good. Right. Uh, but there are many resources that report. There is a Focus Taiwan, which mm. is also mm. a very yes. good. That's the CNA yes. resource, yes. right? Uh, there is also Taipei Times, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right, uh, which is also reports in English. There are also all kinds of uh, Western media reporting on Taiwan. Mm-hmm. You can find mm-hmm. articles on Guardian, mm-hmm. on uh, mm-hmm. uh, on the BBC News, right. Uh, right. on CNN. Mm-hmm. I mean, like uh, everywhere. Right. And people both on the right and on the left are talking about Taiwan. It's mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to get the most uh, up-to-date information, you can also go to some of the analysts on Twitter. They have mm-hmm. their own Twitter accounts, mm-hmm. and uh, there are perfect analysts. Like I think in any country, you don't only uh, have to read in English. If you speak Polish, there are people in Poland who are also mm-hmm. writing mm-hmm. some very interesting things about China, uh, about Asia about Japan and also about Taiwan. So right now there is an abundance of resources. You probably won't get the information as fast right. as uh, if you would have spoken Mandarin, but uh, you can still understand more or less, right. Right. especially about the processes that are going on mm-hmm. in Taiwan right now. It was interesting. I was talking to somebody, and I think a lot of times some people... Um, it's easy, well, not easy, but it, you can feel very overwhelmed by the concern and the impending possibility of China attacking Taiwan, and it seems more and more real these days. And so what do you say to people who feel that it's, like feel a little bit hopeless or that maybe it's like inevitable and what can we do about it? Well, first of all, you don't have to feel you don't have to feel helpless. Because Taiwan has friends and Taiwan has allies. And I mean, how many times does the American president, what, whatever from which party is he, he, he is, like Joe Biden said, I mean, like four or five times that the U.S. has a commitment to protect Taiwan. Before that, the, the Republican uh, president also said that, yeah, the U.S. should protect Taiwan. Right. People from both parties say it every time that the U.S. should protect Taiwan. And, yeah, I cannot say that China will not attack 100%. Because same thing, like, before Russia invaded Ukraine, there were analysts, like, including in Taiwan, saying, oh, he won't dare. Oh, Putin is not capable. He is not out of his mind. He will not attack Ukraine. But you cannot analyze what does a crazy person (laughs) think. Because I know that's what... uh, This is very interesting. That's a former American ambassador to Russia wrote on his Twitter. Mm -hmm. If you say that tomorrow Putin will not attack Ukraine, that means you know Putin better than I do. If you say that person certainly will attack Ukraine tomorrow, you also know Putin better than I do. Because if Putin attacks or if he doesn't attack, it all depends only on one person and only on one thing, on Putin himself. Yeah, exactly. If he has a stomachache in the morning, he will probably want to attack Ukraine because he's not happy. <laughs> Same thing with Xi Jinping. Nobody knows. Maybe he has eaten too too, too much of spicy stuff and <laughs> his tummy reacts today and he, he, he thinks, okay, I hate my life, I want to attack Taiwan. Maybe this would happen. What Taiwan can do is first arm itself. Yeah. 
yeah. have capable army. Yeah. Like that's what Ukraine did after 2014. Mm -hmm. Update the equipment, mm -hmm. do the military mm -hmm. reform, mm -hmm. and find as many allies as you can. Mm -hmm. That's what Taiwan can do and that's what Taiwan should do. Taiwan is like a hedgehog. Mm -hmm. You want to bite it, you will get hurt. <laughs> so for the people who are concerned about it, you don't have to be concerned because Taiwanese allies know what China is doing and what are the capabilities of China. The only thing that you should do is support the people inside Taiwan who are pro-Taiwan sovereignty, who are uh, for making friends with uh, Taiwanese allies and not being too friendly to the dictator yeah. that might want to attack you because mm -hmm. it, it it always is a concern yes there are some business opportunities but there are missiles are facing taiwan yes if the missile is facing taiwan then what, what what yeah you can still do business but at least have some concerns right you don't mm -hmm. have to be too, too naive and the world is very big there is not only one China. There is not only one country that you can do business with. You can still do business with the Southeast Asian countries. You can still do business with Africa, with Europe, with the United States, with the South America, with Central America. The world is big. Right. It's not only one country that everything is concentrated around. And right now, the whole world is decoupling from China or de-risking. And this is smart. Yeah. Because there are many countries and those countries, they want to develop, they want to earn your money they mm -hmm. want to produce for you so there's plenty of opportunities mm -hmm. and you don't have to fixate yourself as there is only china there is only one yeah, issue absolutely. of one country it's, right it's just wise to diversify in any exactly. case yeah um do you want to share some thoughts about uh taiwan's uh, presidential election since it's coming up oh there are so many thoughts i know <laughs> i know that's i that's i just threw it out there to let you uh, express what you want to share about it well, I've been to uh, Pro Lighting the Rally in mm -hmm. New Jersey a yes. couple of days ago, yes. and I've interviewed Gordon Chang there. Yes, I saw that you're in the honor. I, I really like his books. Yeah. And uh, one thing he said, like, what what I agree 100%. It's also related to Taiwan's military development. Mm -hmm. If he said, for example, if the Western allies would have protected Ukraine better, if Ukraine was armed better mm -hmm. before. Uh, Russian invasion, Putin might have not invaded. Right. Right. And with Taiwan, getting more and more international support is very crucial. Mm -hmm. And right now, the only candidate that can get this international support is from the Democratic Progressive Party. You, because here, and many people in Taiwan, many, many politicians in Taiwan also say, uh, put it like that, like what Miao Boya said. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's you have to make a choice between uh, are both part of China, Tong Shu Yizhong in Mandarin, or are not related, Hu Bu Li Shu. If you choose are not related, if you have that clear peace of mind, you, that clear set of thoughts that Taiwan mm -hmm. should protect its sovereignty, mm -hmm. the allies will help Taiwan mm -hmm. to protect itself. But if you choose the other one, are all part of China, mm -hmm. are both part of China, like talking about like both sides of Taiwan Strait, then first of all, it sends wrong signals to your allies. 
they will start doubting you because okay today you say that you want to be a part of china or you want to be ambiguous in your intentions and you're not willing to actually protect yourself uh, then why should the united yeah, states exactly. come and help mm -hmm. because american citizens will have to spill blood Mm -hmm. Right and right and we'll have to spend money, taxpayers' money, like lots of money. And uh, th this is crucial to understand. If Taiwanese people are willing to protect themselves, the whole world will help Taiwan. But if not, then that's a whole different situation. But then that's the question: Is do the Taiwanese people realize that that their vote will send the signal? That's why it is important to vote. Because. Mm -hmm. Some people say, oh, my vote doesn't decide anything. No, no, you shouldn't even think in this kind of... Uh, you don't. You shouldn't have even like the set of mind like that. What does it mean your vote doesn't matter? Your vote is your responsibility. People spilled blood, tears, and sweat yes. for you to have an opportunity to go and cast a vote. Right. This is what you have to do. And, oh, it's not important. You have to do that. That's your responsibility. And if people understand that, if people go back to Taiwan to vote, mm. I think the outcome of the elections would be would, 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 would be representative of what Taiwanese people think. It is very interesting, and that's also what Gordon Chang told about, uh, told about during his speech. Because right now, Lai Ching, the William Lai, is leading. But if uh, Hou Youyi and uh, Coander, like former mayor of Taipei and the current mayor of uh, New Taipei, if they unite their voices, then they might win. So there would, if there would be a coalition between blue and white, so that's. Well, that would mean one of them would have to drop out. Yeah, yeah, but uh, <laughs> I think I think they they won't do that. What because we still have like around six months. Time frame. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things could happen, and I think even though William Lai is leading right now, uh, it is it shouldn't be the reason to think. Okay, I will. Yeah, we win. shouldn't be complacent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like right now, it's time to mobilize all of the resources. It's time to talk more about the elections, and it's time to start persuading people more to vote for you. Because what I have to say is, the blue and the white, they do it. Currently, you see more voices coming from that side of uh, Taiwanese politics than from the more pro-green. Especially if you are targeting like the young audiences. If you go to YouTube, if you go to like all any kind of online platform, it's all Koenjo. It's all the mayor of the former mayor of Taipei, and they are really spending a lot on uh, this campaign. It's harder to find more like pro pro green voices, and I think that they, they but they will have to mobilize and to let people know that there is a different opinion, there is a different position, and uh, because right now what I see is the green is being constantly attacked, and uh, they have to do more to actually counter these attacks. And can you talk about the white? Because we hear about the green and the blue, we don't hear so much about the white. What does the white refer to? Oh, the white refers to you uh, or the um, Taiwan People's Party. Yeah. A pretty communist name to me, actually. <laughs> when you have like people in it, like the Great Hall of the People, right? <laughs> People's <laughs> Daily. You put like <laughs> the Taiwan People's Party. Like in English, it sounds like very. 
very very communist uh and uh, yeah the head of the party he he admitted himself that he is Mao Zedong's appreciator he uh, likes yeah 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 he writes he he likes reading his work and uh, he is using his tactics like whatever does that mean but uh what is interesting and why is he uh, um I don't want to say dangerous, but why does he attract so many votes and why does he attract... Because he got re-elected as a mayor of Taipei and he has support, especially of a younger population, younger male working in high-tech industry. Like Probably that's his main target audience. Because um, he can be whatever he wants to be anytime. He is a chameleon. Sometimes he he looks like a green... Sometimes he looks like a blue. Sometimes he said that uh, Chinese people and Taiwanese people are a family. Sometimes he says that uh, his family got oppressed during the uh, 228 and the white terror. Sometimes he uh, wants to be uh, friendly towards China and have things like Shanghai Taipei Forum together but sometimes he uh, says that uh, the came that the dpp is a very um like he, he's saying bad things about both of the parties both the white and uh, both the blue and the green so this is what attracts people and he's very good at choosing media he was very good at choosing uh, media when he was a mayor he really mobilized a lot of resources around him and it was his campaign was very successful at that time. We have to admit it. And right now, the same thing. He dancing the Chiofo like dance with the uh, one of the like with very popular Taiwanese YouTubers. And this attracts like the young people. They don't think about his policies. They don't think about what he has been doing as a mayor. They don't think about he is very. Um, misogynistic behavior and what he said for example about uh, the ccp before is that uh, the self-emulation acts of uh, buddhist monks are um, causing trouble to the ccp so <laughs> basically saying that what the buddhist monks do is uh, he, he doesn't approve that in, in that term because it causes trouble for the ccp or the recently like, what, what he said he, he had some misogynistic comments and then the recent one was a uh, that the first grade people are going to medical schools in taiwan the second grade go into um engineering schools the third grade and the fourth grade are studying law and uh, the people that go for example to arts study music for example they're purulio like basically they're uh, below the grain like they they shouldn't be even paid attention to like a very uh, discriminatory comment and uh, it seems like his followers think yeah that's that's okay we, we we can agree with that he's criticizing the state of taiwanese society but taiwan has wonderful artists taiwan has uh, talented lawyers uh, taiwan has people of all kinds of professions that are that excel at what they do and uh, i think that he's targeting a particular group of people like these like young by young i mean like below 40s right uh, male like people who attended like the recent rally in taiwan like it was i think like 90 percent it was male 
it was rally like for for justice rally for justice and it was organized by Guan Zhang and Huang Guozhang like these two people and uh, Ko Wenzhou also took took part in it uh, basically uh, saying that Taiwan is an unjust society they want to protest it um, how so what what is unjust about it what was uh, the premise <laughs> criminal gangs and uh, talking that Taiwanese people cannot buy houses cannot afford houses but this is this is everybody i mean when dpp is in power kmt says that Taiwanese people cannot afford houses when kmt is in power the dpp will say that Taiwanese people cannot afford houses not being able to afford houses is uh, it's been a long term issue and Taiwanese economy is developing I, I mean do people in new york city uh, c- can they afford houses no in london no in berlin no 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 not at all so this is a problem of the it's the first world problem like right. real estate is, is expensive and it will only be getting more and more expensive um but he attracted many like young males like before before their 40s and um, what is interesting about him he's targeting these people and also the people who hate both of the parties and want to see some new faces what is dangerous about him is uh, that he doesn't have a clear understanding and what his international policies and international uh, positions would be. How would he treat the relationships with the United States? How would he treat the relationships with China or with Japan or with, with, with the different partners? Because what he said and what he is standing for, it's a little bit dangerous. He wants to maintain the equal distance from the United States and from China. But this is not how it works. United States is Taiwan's ally. Mm -hmm. If you show the U.S. that you want to keep distance from the U.S., Mm -hmm. that that means that uh, if anything bad happens, then the U.S. will also keep distance from you, basically. Mm -hmm. Because this is not the right signal. And especially right now when Taiwan is the... When the United States support is mostly needed, and look at how the United States is supporting Taiwan economically and sending officials to Taiwan militarily, uh, saying that uh, the U.S. Um, has a commitment to protect Taiwan. Like, w- what else can American people do to let the Taiwanese right. people believe in them? I mean, this is so strange, because right. I have been making a street poll like a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. asking just random people on streets. I mean, there were some people that didn't agree to be filmed. Yes. I said, oh, Taiwan. Yeah, we support Taiwan, but I don't want to be filmed. Right. There was not a single person in New York City. I filmed in three different locations. Right. That said, oh, the the U.S. shouldn't support Taiwan and the U.S. should should stand with China. No, no mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. The only concern that the U.S. people had, the Americans had here, is... Um, how to prevent the war from from happening yes but that's the concern that every person has but if anything bad happens right now it's different from vietnam Mm -hmm. when the public support was very low Mm -hmm. here the public support of support of protecting taiwan is very high Mm -hmm. and you can see in the recent polls many uh, american people they do understand the importance of taiwan starting with its economy starting with its uh chips Right now, more and more Taiwanese businesses are investing in the United Mm. States. And uh, Taiwan is U.S.'s key partner and key ally. Mm. And if you want to keep distance from the United States, then what does it mean that you want to be closer with China? 
And with the recent spy scandals and how uh, the CCP is infiltrating the United States, there is a growing concern here. People understand that it's a totalitarian country. You have to be careful. That's why the whole de-risking thing, because it's risky to invest everything in right. one country, especially when it's not a free country. So I think the current concern should really be whether the Taiwanese people understand that and they... You know, they're not being swayed by disinformation yeah. to, you know, against knowing who is in their corner. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what Puma Shen also said, uh, mm-hmm. Professor Shen, mm-hmm. that uh, it's very important understanding who your enemies are and who your friends are. Like mm-hmm. the, the, mm-hmm. this is this is very crucial. And mm-hmm. I think Taiwanese people should pay more attention to that, especially right now when the international situation with uh, Russia attacking Ukraine is becoming more and more stressful. Uh, allies need to unite and democracies need to unite. You have to understand if anything bad happens, the U.S. will protect you. If anything bad happens, the European countries will stand stand by your side. So you, you have to be careful while having relationships with illiberal countries. I'm not Talking about China, also Russia, mm-hmm. Iran, North Korea, like those countries. Yeah. The yeah. ambiguous China policy is not what Taiwan needs right now, especially yeah. when China is saying and putting it forward like very, very directly. Yeah. I will invade, I will occupy, you're a part of my territory. The planes is... and the ADIZ every day. Yeah. 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 The, exactly. And more and more planes are, are flying over the line between like the two sides of Taiwan mm-hmm. Strait. That, that's why when your neighbors are so aggressive, you have to protect yourself. You cannot be ambiguous yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's why I think if we're looking at the elections, yes, of course, we have to take a, a look at the, we have to pay attention to the social policies, to the social programs, mm-hmm. uh, to the economy. But in terms of economy, what can, what can they offer? What do the blue and the white offer? Mm-hmm. More relationships with China? Yeah. Signing yeah. the service agreement with Oh, yeah, with right. Them? And right? Cohen so just said that he wanted to propose a new, like, service, like, yeah, a yeah, new yeah. service, uh, cross-trade service agreement yeah. recently, right? Yeah, but yeah. W- w- what does it mean? That more Chinese yeah. people will come to Taiwan and search for yeah. work, in yeah. search for jobs, but t- China right now has more than 20% of youth unemployment. And all of these unemployed people will come to Taiwan. This is what they are offering to mm-hmm. raise Taiwan's economy. Mm-hmm. Will the Taiwanese <laughs> people benefit from them? Mm-hmm. The green at least benefits the diversification of the market, mm-hmm. like have relations with mm-hmm. the U.S., with mm-hmm. Europe, mm-hmm. with South America, like right. with with India. Like right now, right. Uh, during the current administration in Taiwan, Taiwan-India relations are reaching new highs. That's yes, sir, there's more. Um, consulate offices opening in India, like Taiwan consulate offices. Yeah, Yeah, this is amazing. So Mm -hmm. you see that there are more and more friends Mm -hmm. and more and more relationships Mm -hmm. that Taiwan is having. Mm -hmm. But what Cohen or Hoyoyi, what they're offering, they're offering only one thing, China. Yeah. Yeah. But do we need more China in our lives? Especially when right now the economy is still binded to China to, to, to a certain extent. I think no. I think no, we need more partners yeah. from all around the yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. While uh, President Biden has said many times uh, when he's been asked whether or not the U.S. will protect Taiwan, and it's also part of the Taiwan's Relations Act saying that the U.S. is obligated to uh, help Taiwan to defend yeah. itself. 
what do you think would really happen if that in that situation would the US uh sanction China or would they actually how much military action or like support would they provide and like do you, like what is your view well, uh, first of all, from the legal point of view, protecting Taiwan is also a part of Taiwan Relations Act and the six assurances, right? And I think it doesn't matter what kind of administration would it be, Republican or Democrat, there is a commitment there. To what extent will the U.S. help Taiwan and protect Taiwan? It also depends on the Taiwanese people and who will be in power in Taiwan at that time. If it is a party that is supporting Taiwan and is willing to stand up to military aggression and not is going to, for example, shorten the uh, military service period to four months, like what the KMT proposed, right? If it's the party, if these are the people, if it is the administration that is standing for Taiwan and is willing to fight the war against the invader, then the U.S. will provide military support. I think like 100% sure. The situation is a little bit different uh, from the support that the U.S. is providing to Ukraine because there were different commitments in place and different kinds of support. And what is important, uh, what happened in Ukraine in 2022, it's the extension of what happened in Ukraine in 2014. Right. And because of the training of the military reform and of constant cooperation of the United States or the European Union of NATO with Ukraine, Ukraine was able to withstand this aggression. Taiwan right now is deepening its cooperation with the United States, including military training, including buying the newest equipment. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. understands that some, if something bad happens, the U.S. will have to come and help. But we have to understand one thing. If a very China-friendly people are ruling Taiwan at that time, would it be worth it for the U.S. to send people, to send military, to risk their lives if they will put forward policies that are actually going in the opposite direction of protecting Taiwan? Mm -hmm. Shorten the military service period, maybe uh, selling out some secrets to China that what what happened in previous administrations. And the U.S., of course, will not be willing to fight a war when they understand that the winning is not possible and the people who are in power in Taiwan would not do their max to protect Taiwan. But if there is a party, if there is a president, and if the Taiwanese legislature have a consensus here that Taiwan has to be protected, Mm -hmm. and if anything bad happens, everybody will do everything possible Mm -hmm. to protect Taiwanese democracy and Taiwanese freedom, then I have no doubt that the United States will also do their max and will provide all kinds of support that that Taiwan needs at the time. What's the most rewarding and what's the most challenging part of what you do? Okay. Uh, Doing content online, the most rewarding thing is talking to people, getting to know Taiwanese people more, engaging with my audience. Like, I really enjoy my... Sunday live streams when I get call-ins like everybody can just call me and discuss everything like and anything they want mm, most challenging thing is you have to always learn new things mm-hmm. it's a changing environment the other challenging thing you have you have to always follow with the current events and what is going on like every day all day 
if you're a YouTuber, if you're a content creator, you don't have holidays. You don't have vacations. You No. It's Christmas. Yes, you're live streaming. <laughs> it's New Year's Eve. Yes, you're live streaming. Uh, it's Independence Day. You're making a video. Like, what, whatever is going on, you're... You don't have time to rest. Like mm. that—that that probably is the biggest challenge. But mm. at the same time, I think that when I'm doing content, like all my life became like I, I really like doing that. So yeah, you, you really, have to to be able yeah. to sustain it. So if you like yeah. what you do, mm-hmm. then you will succeed at it. Because mm-hmm. not not every person, not every some people can do videos, but not every person is suitable for putting that kind of content. Every yes. Day. Yes. So I think that here I found yes. my niche and I'm very grateful for that. And uh, again, the most rewarding is uh, talking to my viewers and having those deep and engaging conversations that we have on our live streams. So you see yourself going for another four or five years? Well, some people say that YouTube might die off in four or five years. but Oh, yeah, I well, think we never know. If it's not YouTube... There will be like a me tube or they tube or our tube or (laughs) any kind of different tube. Making on like on today I'm doing like those these kind of videos. In Mm -hmm. two years I will be making like 3D videos. (laughs) But this kind of commentary and uh, uh, discussing current affairs and politics and making videos, I think I will be I'll be glad to be doing it till the last day I'm here. I think it's going to become more and more important, like since we see like the rise of AI and ChatGPT, and people should be questioning more about the reliability of their um, sources and things yeah. like that. I do believe that maybe this is it's going to become more important. The things that you are doing, you and I are doing in different mediums. I'm doing yeah. it as a podcaster, but you're doing it as um, video content and commentary. Yeah. yeah, and it is very important, and both types of content are like very important and very crucial because podcast when you're driving of course you will be listening to a podcast when you have more time you turn your computer on or take out your phone and watch a video mm-hmm. i think like there is a need to have more content especially taiwan focused content mm-hmm. i think the only disadvantage is there is not enough of us <laughs> yes yes it, it's tough it's tough to be an yeah. independent because you're independent like yeah. you said it's hard to get sponsors yeah yeah Almost impossible, especially with Taiwan, but uh, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. It's worth it. Mm -hmm. And I think just the time is not is not yet, but we're here. We'll be keep on saying and keep on promoting Taiwan, discussing Taiwan. And I hope that one day more people will be paying attention. Right now, more and more people are understanding why Taiwan is important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all the work that you do. Um, It's really important. Thank you for the interview, Felicia. Thanks a lot. I've been speaking with YouTuber Stan from Poland, Dawna Yina. Now it's time for you to show us some love. We just found out that you can rate us on Spotify. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Audible, leave us a review there. It helps others to discover Talking Taiwan. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There will list any related links. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.